Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Such a, uh, I think it's such a simple concept, but I believe so powerful. Um, and when we apply it to our lives, and uh, and I want you to turn with me. I want to use the book, the uh, story in uh, in Mark. Turn with me to Mark chapter six um, and verse forty-five. Is going to come up on the screen. Have you got your Bible with you? Who brought a Bible with him? Three people. It's awesome. It's always funny. Always okay. Let's go. Mark chapter six and verse forty-five. Immediately, he, speaking of Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. That's an odd. It's an odd thing, even right there. This is Jesus. The crowds gather. Jesus is the preacher. Jesus is the man. He says to the disciples, listen, you guys go. I'm going to deal with the crowd. That's like Pastor Jensen staying to pack up after church. He said to them, send them away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. And when he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them, now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the lows because their heart was hardened. It's a, it's a cool story. Uh, you know, we preach, we've heard it preached a lot and there's so many different, um, I think, messages that we can take from this story. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about this, and I want to also, as I as I sort of go on and just share this quick little message, I want to also just share another quick verse with you um, in Philippians four verse six. This is one of my favourite few verses in the Bible. Be anxious, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. And minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do. And the God of peace will be with you. I want to talk a little bit about the peace of God tonight because I believe the peace of God uh, is one of the most powerful weapons that we have as Christians in the kingdom of God. This story that we read about in Mark, I think paints such a great picture 
in giving us a little glimpse into what it means to carry the peace of God in our lives. It says that in this story that Jesus, it says that Jesus sent them out in the boat and he gave them a specific direction. He said, he he guided them. It said that Jesus immediately said to his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. This was while Jesus had sent the multitude away and and finished up the service. This is why Jesus then heads from there. He goes up to the mountain and he begins to pray. And the Bible says that he was alone on the mountain and he looked down and he saw them straining. That word straining, it's actually means it's it's a it's actually a bigger term than just working hard. We look at that and we think, well, it just means they were working hard. The interpretation means they were actually in pain or some type of, in a sense, torture. That they're in this situation. And as I was reading this story, it was funny because often when we look at stories regarding the peace of God, we often see stories where... The, the parties in the story are freaking out, showing great fear, showing great doubt and great unbelief. There's another story in the Bible that you know where they're also in the boat. Pastor Javon preached on it recently and they're in the boat and it says the disciples were doing this, that they were freaking out, that they were clearly in fear. This story is a little bit different. This story, when I looked at it, I sort of, I was sort of looking and I thought, you know what? I mean, the disciples, are they're not really doing anything that wrong, are they? There's not, you look at the story, it doesn't say they were freaking out, screaming, saying we're going to drown, we're going to die. It just says that they were straining, working hard. But I want to show you what really the disciples we're doing here is actually the same thing, but just in a different package. I think it's possible for us to be in absolute, complete and utter fear, but just getting busy trying to strive and do it on our own. I think one of the ways that fear and doubt and unbelief actually camouflages itself in our life in simply perseverance that we can be continually to persevere through a situation and be full of absolute, complete and utter fear. Complete and utter unbelief. Anytime we are not leaning upon Him and His strength in our life, then we are not in faith. Anytime that we are relying on our own strength, we are not in faith. We have to get this revelation that God actually wants to carry the weight for us. God actually wants to carry us through every single storm of life. God wants to be so much more involved in our lives than we realise. Too often I think we wait until things get so drastically bad For us to fall on our knees before God and pull our hair out and say, God, I need a miracle. God wants to have the type of relationship 
with us that, that even when it gets to the stage when you're trying to just strive a little bit, guess what? He wants to be involved in that. We think, nah, this is not going to bother God. This is, not, this is not big enough for God. I want to tell you, if it matters to you, it matters to Him. The moment you start depending on your own ability, your own strength, your own effort, that means you're not depending upon Him. I want to tell you that God, He wants to get involved. God wants to be a part. God wants to carry the load. Don't allow things to get so bad in your life and so drastic in your life. God is not the emergency chute that we pull, but He has to be the life source that we depend on each and every moment. That we would draw strength upon Him before we rely on our own ability and our own strength. But look at this. Now the fourth watch of the night, which means it's about 3 to 6 a.m., He came to them walking on the sea. Look at this. And he would, he would have passed them by. This is, this is an incredible thing to say in scripture. That Jesus, how insensitive of Jesus. Let's be real. I would be so frustrated. This is the Jesus that's walking on the water. Cannot he see what we're doing right here? What are you lost? Like what what is going on here? Jesus is completely unaffected by what's going on. These disciples have been going is between 3 and 6 a.m. They set out at the start of the night. They have been going all night in the boat. And then they look up and here's Jesus just like. (laughs) It says that he would have. Pass them by. Let me tell you this. While Jesus wants to get involved, he's not rattled by whatever it is that you're going through. As insensitive as that does sound, that I think part of us wants Jesus to be rattled because that some way in our human thinking, we think that that shows he places importance on it. But when I say he's not rattled, he's not freaking out at our situations. Cressa and I, Many of you know we have Luke is our son, Luca James. He's nine months old right now. And we are on the journey at the moment. When I say journey, it's an interesting journey. Dear Jesus, help us. Of still trying to work out the best sleep pattern. You parents will know what I'm talking about. When I say the best sleep pattern, I actually mean any pattern that results in this kid closing his eyes for any amount of time that extends beyond two hours, I'll praise Jesus for that. Pray for me, pray for my wife more so. But the thing about Luca, and he's an amazing kid, he's super funny, he's, he's very active, he's very happy. He does not like to shut down. I have no idea where he gets it from. He doesn't like to switch off. He doesn't, he in fact hates when you start taking him to, you know, carrying him to to his bed. This is after you've rocked this kid for about three solid days. And you try every 
possible move and motion you can. Do you know what I'm talking about, parents? You've got the sway, then you've got the bounce, then you've got the bounce and sway, then you've got the little Michael Jackson, little hop, step, little... Bro, I'm pacing the... Finally, finally, a little bit, you see his eyes will start to go in the back of your head. You get this, that glimpse of hope. Oh, dear Jesus, we're happening. We're hit. We've got the right rhythm. Just keep going, keep going. And then eventually... Eventually, he'll close his eyes. Then slowly, I'll make the journey. It's like carrying a ticking time bomb. Because you know at any moment, that thing could blow up. I finally, I get to, the, I get to his little crib and I lay him down. <laughs> There's an art to it, isn't it, parents? It's the lay and release. You can't do it. It's got to be one smooth motion. It's lay and release. I've nailed it. So finally, I do the lay and release back out slowly. Monitor on, noise machine on, hall light down. So when I shut the door, it's perfect lighting that it's dark. Close the door. Go, turn the monitor on, check the monitor. And there is my nine-month-old son looking back at me, eyes wide open like, are you joking? Is that the best you got? We started this technique that someone said to us, you need to let them self-soothe. Some of you are like, yes, praise Jesus. Self-soothe. I'm down for it. I'm all about it. My wife, not so much. It's where you put them in and you let them just cry it out. What I don't understand about Caressa is when we're trying to self-soothe, we have the little monitor. It's like a little camera that's on him and, 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 and then you have the little, the little screen wherever you are. He's self-soothing, but my wife has to have the volume up full, full tilt. <laughs> like it's a soundtrack. Like, it's like, baby, guess what? I'm going to tell you something. He's crying. I know what it sounds like. I can tell he's crying by the picture. I don't need the soundtrack. So we'll be self-soothing. I will look at him. He will be crying there. When he starts crying in that crib, it's no like a little whimper. The way this kid cries you would think the world is coming to an end tonight. You would think the moment he realises that he is in that crib and he is by himself, all hell breaks loose. I laugh about it. I know it sounds so insensitive. I look at the screen and I say, baby, look at this kid. He is absolutely distraught right now. She's like, why are you laughing? I'm like, well, I mean, it's funny because there's actually nothing wrong with him. He's acting like all hell is breaking loose in his life. He's put in bed to go to sleep. I feel like I just want to talk to him like a human and say, bro, listen, listen. Let's weigh this up, man. We live in Orange County. 
You've got great parents. That's a soft pillow. This is a nice room. I painted this room for you. My wife made me paint it about six times. Bro, we bought this furniture. Listen, Luca, life's pretty good. Close your eyes. Hey, please, for the love of God, go to sleep. It's funny because we can laugh because my perspective is so different to his. His perspective, his fear, his stress, his tension is based on his tiny little world around him. That's why we could look, I can look upon him in distress and be like, bro, listen. It's cool. It's going to be all right. Because I've got another perspective to what he's going through. I want to tell you something that God looks at your situation the exact same way. While we are in the cot of our life and our situation freaking out, throwing an absolute tantrum. And hear my heart, church, I'm not trying to make light of your situation and what you're going through, but I am trying to tell you that you serve a God that has an eternal perspective and He can see something bigger than what you can see in the middle of your situation that you need to trust, trust in Him. It would be such a better journey for Luca if he just trusted me. (laughs) If he just understood, listen, buddy, close your eyes and go to sleep. I know it feels like we're leaving you. We're not. We're just downstairs. I know it feels like when the lights turn out, the darkness is surrounding you. They're just lights that can come back on very quickly. It would be such an easier journey if Luca just listened to what I was saying and trusted what I was telling him. And it's a silly analogy that we can laugh about, but I think for us, for our lives, it's such a simple principle that if we applied to our life, we would save ourselves so much stress. I think we're stressing over things that Jesus is just walking past. I think we're freaking out over things that when Jesus looks at, he's like, bro, are you for real? You think those bills is a big deal? Oh my gosh. Don't worry about that. You think that job situation? Come on, man. You don't think I'm bigger than that? You don't think that I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth? I'm not trying to downplay what you're going through, but I want to tell you, you serve a God who wants to be involved, but you also serve a God that's not intimidated by your problems. It's knowing what it is to have the peace of God. The Bible says in these verses that we read in Philippians 4, it says to be anxious for nothing. Now, hang on, hang on. God, do you mean to tell me that nothing? Do you want me to tell you the interpretation for the word nothing? It means nothing. Write that down. Change your life. (laughs) Do you mean to tell me, God, that you were telling me to be anxious, to worry, to have concern for not one single thing in my life? 
How irresponsible do you want to be, God? Surely there's something. What about the kids? Should I not be worried about the kids? No, not according to the Word of God. Whatever it is you take in your hands, the moment you take it in your hands, you're taking it out of His hands. That's why God is saying, God is saying, not saying don't, Be anxious about your kids because your kids don't matter. God is saying, get your hands off your kids because I want to hold them. You mean to say, God, you're telling me not to be anxious about my finances, not to be anxious about what's going on in our world and the craziness all around us? There is not one single thing in your life that is worth your anxiety. It will tire you. It will stress you. But in everything, with prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. I told them to bring the keys early so I knew that I wouldn't go over time. See, I got you. I told you I wouldn't preach too long. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, look at this, will guard, will guard your heart. Do you know that the peace of God is the guard that stands guard outside your heart and determine what comes in and what doesn't. That's the role of God's peace in your life. What's He going to let through? Let me show you. It says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If anything's praiseworthy, that's the only things. They're the only things that peace is going to let through into your heart if you would make that decision to receive the peace of God. Wouldn't our lives be so radically different if we made a decision to use Philippians 4 verse 8 as a checklist of what I'm going to dwell upon? I think we'd run out of things to talk about, wouldn't we? Come on, isn't that the truth? How many times are our conversations surrounding things that are not good? that are not praiseworthy, that are not, listen, half the time, not even true. We're always talking so often our fear is wrapped up in the what ifs. What if this happens? Remember the other, the other story of the disciples in the boat that Pastor Javon preached about? And the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is down in the, in the bottom of the boat and Jesus comes up. The disciples are freaking out and they run up to Jesus and they say, Master, Master, we are going to drown. So often our fear is not wrapped up in what's happening, but it's wrapped up in what we think is going to happen. I'm not worried about where I am right now. I'm worried about where I am right now. If it continues like this, then I'm going to end up like that. It's wrapped up in where you think you're headed. You got, you got faith in your fear. See, we've got to make this decision to say enough's enough. I'm going to let the peace of God guard my heart from now on. And if something comes along my way, whether it be a thought or whether it be a conversation in my life, I'm going to allow the peace of God to guard my heart and let nothing through that doesn't Bring praise to God. Not going to worry about it. Not going to stress about it. 
You got, you got to be, we got to be careful even when we, we watch the news nowadays and different things. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not getting crazy saying don't watch TV, but what I'm saying is whatever it is that you expose yourself to, let the peace of God be that filter. I'm not going to let, let those things get me rattled. God's got His hand on my life. I talked about it this morning. The steps of a righteous man, they're ordered by the Lord. God is ordering and directing my steps. He's going to guide me. His peace. His peace is going to surround me. It's one of the most, I think, underrated things within the kingdom of God. We think of God's peace as being like a nice, you know, a nice pretty picture. Oh, that's nice. You know, we talk about the peace. Ah, oh, peace. Whatever the sign is, you know, hey, peace. What's up? Peace of God is powerful. If you've ever been in a bad situation where fear is overwhelming you, the peace of God, when that invades that space, the peace of God will take over. It's a powerful thing when you pray the peace of God over your home. And you declare peace. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. I pray it over our home and family every single day. I declare the peace of God over my home. I declare that peace would be at our door, that it would guard our door, that that peace would stand there. I was praying as we were looking at these hurricane victims. Pray, Lord, I pray that your peace would come to those people. Well, you, and you might think, well, Pastor, I, you know, I get it, Ben, what you're saying. That's cool, but I've got some pretty serious things going on that I'm walking through. Peace isn't the absence of problems, it's the addition of power. Acknowledging or receiving rather the peace of God in your life doesn't negate the fact that you're walking through some things. But receiving His peace is the addition of power within your life to walk through what it is you're walking through untouched. That's what His peace looks like. I was reading about a lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. Some of you might, have, might know a little bit about her story, powerful story of a woman in World War II. She was a watchmaker. World War II as the Nazis were coming through villages and towns, capturing the Jews, taking them off to concentration camps. Corrie ten Boom and her family made a, a little, a little um, well, in a sense, like a little hideout in their house. As the Nazis came through the house, she hid six Jews in her house. They ended up getting caught and she was taken herself along with those six. She used to work with disabled Jewish kids. They took her, they took her family as well. She went across three different concentration camps and then ended up in a women's concentration camp. In that concentration camp, her father, her sister, her brother and her nephew were all killed in that concentration camp. She made this statement, I love it. Knowing her story, she said, if you look at circumstances, you'll be distressed. If you look within yourself, 
you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you might be going through, whatever it is that you might be dealing with, maybe it's a, it's a storm. There's two types of storms that we face. One's a correcting storm and one's a perfecting storm. Jonah, Jonah faced a correcting storm. Remember the story of Jonah? Dude got crazy and he's like, I'm running from God. He said, I don't want nothing to do with God. He found himself in a storm. What was that storm? That storm was a correcting storm that was saying, bro, you're not where you should be. So you've actually brought this storm upon you. The other storm is a perfecting storm. A storm that we go through that it's not, it's not so much about the storm we're going through, but it's more about the work that the storm is doing in us. But the thing about these two types of storms is both these storms require us to be totally surrendered to Him. We surrender to Him. We invite Him into our situation. And we invite the peace of God. I want to read this as, as I close. I told you I did pretty good, didn't I? Hey, Come, Three of your pumps. Come on, you're going home to dinner early. I'll look after you tonight. I was impressed. wish my wife was here to see it. She always tells me I preach too long. <laughs> I want to read you this uh, story. The band can come because I want us to do something. I felt God put on my heart. Horiato G. Spafford was his name. He was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with wife Anna and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871. And in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God in His mercy and kindness allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21, 1873, the French ocean liner was crossing the Atlantic from, US, from the US to Europe. Among the passengers were Mr. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, into crossing the, of the, Atlantic the ship collided with a powerful Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Within approximately 12 minutes, the French liner slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife 
as they together grieved the loss of their four daughters. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his, cap, uh, to his cabin and told him they were currently over the place where his children went down. It was in that spot that Spafford sat and wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. I want to read the, the lyrics. When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Peace of God, no matter what it is that we're going through, no matter what it is that we're dealing through, when we make a decision that we're going to receive God's peace over our situation, How do we praise God in the midst of challenges and difficulties? Peace of God. How do we keep our head going through trials and tribulations and things that we're walking through? It's the peace of God. How do we stay at rest? How do we keep our joy? It's the peace of God. And right across this room, I don't know what people are going through. I don't know what what you're facing. But I do know that every single one of us, every single one of us, maybe you're not going through necessarily major hardships. You desperately need the peace of God. I need His peace in my life every single day. And right across this room, I'd love us before we close. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.